The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome to Grace in Focus. Who was it in the Bible that said, Freely you have received, freely give. So when it comes to giving, we want to follow that. But are there other guidelines when we think about the responsibility we have to steward God's resources? There is a great discussion about these things right here, straight ahead. Find our website at faithalone.org. And when you do, you'll also find some great resources and articles to help you better understand faith and grace and all of the things we talk about. Now here is our discussion today with Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Great to be with you again today as we uh, do another podcast, and we have an interesting topic uh, here. Part of my stuff that I do for GES is I go in foreign countries, and I teach, and I get the opportunity to meet different missionaries, and I'm often asked the question, free grace people, what should they do about deciding who to support on the mission field? That question could be worded in many different ways. Right. I've got some pretty strong opinions on it based upon my limited experience. The first thing that I tell people is make sure that the missionaries that you're supporting are free grace, because there's a lot that aren't. When you go to these foreign countries, in my experience, most of them are going to be lordship. That's who I run into a lot. So I just tell free grace people that if you're supporting a missionary, that's the primary thing. What is it that they believe? What is it that they're teaching over there? And, you know, this reminds me of two of John's epistles, Second John and Third John, which in Greek actually are not the Second John and Third John. They're Beta John and Gamma John. Right. Because they don't number one, two, three. They number Alpha, Beta, Gamma, which are the first three letters of the Greek alphabet. And I remember it this way. Beta John, the basic message is don't support the bad guys. <laughs> and Gamma John is do support the good guys. For example, Second John 10 Verse 10, he says, if anyone comes to you, and these would be traveling teachers, so they come to you and does not bring this doctrine, that is apostolic doctrine concerning Christ, do not receive him into your house. That doesn't mean you can't talk to him, you know, Mormon missionary in your home or something. This is putting up a traveling teacher so you're financially supporting them. Nor greet him, that is, don't give God's blessing to this person. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So isn't this verse saying, if you're supporting a missionary that's proclaiming a work salvation gospel, well, then you're sharing in that work salvation gospel. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, again, just in my conversations with folks, they don't know. You know, they think, well, I'm supporting this missionary, and they haven't done their homework looking at, well, what do these folks teach? That's a good point. Now, Third John 8 says, we therefore ought to receive such, he's talking about those who are proclaiming the truth, that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So if you find that 1% missionary, that's a good person to support. But they're, even there, there's an if, right? Because you and I have been talking And you've mentioned that in some of your travels, you've noticed some of the missionaries don't seem to be doing too much work. That's exactly right. You will meet missionaries who've been in a country for 20 or 30 years, literally, and they don't speak the language. And when you ask them what they do, it's really kind of interesting. And I've had missionaries tell me, I've been in this country for over 20 years, 
what are you doing over there? Are you doing Bible studies? Or are you having a church? I remember one country, I met a missionary, and he had been there about 20 years. And I asked him what he was doing. He goes, well, I have a church. We've planted a church here. I said, well, how many people come to your church? He said, one. And it was an American. I wonder the people who have supported this missionary for 20 years, are they aware of that? So as we talk about this, as people ask, well, who should I support as a missionary? I think there's a couple principles. Number one, make sure they're free grace and get to know them. Know who it is. What are they doing? Then you can make a decision. But again, I think a lot of people, at least in my experience here in the States, they don't know those answers. You know, either they they give to the church and the church does it or whatever the case may be, the co-op, whatever it may be. Or maybe it's a friend that you're supporting and you don't know. But Bob's comments here on second and third John are very appropriate. What am I supporting? I want to talk in a minute also about short-term missions. Could you do that? And we need to talk about that because many of the listeners help support your and Catherine's ministry in Kenya or Zambia or you'll be in Costa Rica and I don't remember. You go to Seoul. We used to. Have you, since COVID, you haven't been back to Seoul in a yeah, while. Yeah, Korea really, was really tough on the COVID thing. We're still hoping to go. There's a Bible Institute there. We're hoping to go in person. We've been doing it through Zoom. Right. right. What I would suggest is, look, when you're supporting any ministry, Grace Evangelical Society, your local church, some parachurch ministry or somebody that's an evangelist uh, or someone that's a missionary, you need to make sure that what you're supporting is accurately proclaiming the Word of God and that they actually do proclaim the Word of God. Yes. Because, I mean, theoretically, you could have a person who was clear on the Word of God but just didn't teach it. You know, they were... They They're were, lazy. So let's let's talk a bit about short-term missions. Uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine. We graduated from Dallas Seminary together. Shout out to Lauren and Sue Fall. Hey. F-A-U-L. Yeah, Lauren was a missionary and his wife Sue in uh, the Dominican Republic for 19 years. He told me, he said, groups of Americans would come over and basically what they wanted was numbers. They wanted to go out. They wanted him to provide translators, and they wanted to have people who, quote-unquote, prayed to receive Christ so they could go back and say, you know, 12 people prayed to receive Christ or this or that. And he told me, he said, uh, you know, lots of times what they don't understand is they're getting people to pray a prayer, and the Dominican thinks this is some magic prayer, some saving prayer, and so they pray the prayer, and it actually inoculates them against the ministry that Lauren would have, because they're like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't need you anymore, because I don't need to hear what you have to say, because I prayed the prayer." <laughs> right. And he said, "You know, you mentioned twenty years and no one coming to faith. It's interesting. In Lauren's case, Lauren said, you know, he lived there full time, and he had a church, and he had elders and everything, and he had a very significant ministry." But he told me in, in a whole year, being fluent in the language and knowing the people and living among them, he would only see one or two people come to faith. Every year. Every year. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, he wasn't counting people who came to faith from within the church. Sure. You know, biological growth, church growth, where, you know, you have one of the members of the church and their children grow up, and by the time they're 10, they're believers. 
Well, there's no particular point you can necessarily point to and say, well, so-and-so came to faith in Christ on this date. But you do know they believe in Jesus for the free gift of eternal life, and they can't even remember when they didn't. So when we support short-term missions, it seems to me same issues. Number one, are we supporting someone who's clear on the promise of life and also clear on Scripture? So if they're teaching other things. And secondly, there's the issue of are they actually doing something? Because a lot of short-term missions is more social gospel. We're, we're helping the people in some physical way, which is fine. We should help people, you know, whether it's uh, medical missions or whether we're building a building. Now, there's a lot of construction on these short-term mission trips, and, and, right? And all that's fine. But we ought to make sure that what we're doing includes some sort of teaching ministry. Yes. And that's what you all emphasize, right? That's your main thing. Yeah, and I will also say another thing that I've noticed, and this is a strange thing for me, is in a lot of these countries, the charismatic movement is very big, very big. I'll just use charismatic. A lot of casting out demons, a lot of prophets, a lot of apostles. You've seen a lot of that in oh, Africa, oh, right? yeah, Oh, yeah. I mean, you like when I teach a class of, let's say, 25, 20-year-olds, eight or nine of them will claim to be prophets. Yeah, I'm a prophet. And they'll talk about all these miracles they see performed, the dead being raised and things like that. But here's what's interesting, and this is striking to me, and I just think people need to be aware of this. A lot of missionaries or some missionaries go over there And they don't believe any of that's going on in the States. But when they get over there, they go, yeah, it's going on over here. Wow. And I just find that very interesting. And I don't know if they're, I don't know why they say that, you know, but they'll say, yeah, we, Satan doesn't operate like that in the West, but he operates like that in in Africa. Now, if you're supporting someone who's teaching that, you need to be aware of that, you know, because when I go to these places, I say, no, you're not a prophet. You're not an (laughs) apostle. You're not able to raise the dead. But then other missionaries come in and go, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, this is the tip of the spear. This is where Satan is really active and and things like that. And that really bothers me. And so I would want to know that if that's a missionary that I'm supporting. And that's the kind of stuff that I think people need to know. Well, let me give you a quick example of that. When I was uh, I taught out in East Texas, Dallas Bible College became Woodcrest College. And I was teaching an evangelism class, and I had a missionary kid in the class. He'd grown up in South America with missionary parents, and they worked with tribal peoples. He asked, after me going through the free grace position and and how we evangelize using the free grace position, he said, well, my parents used to tell people they had to give up their charms and their amulets in order to be saved because they were all scared to death of the evil spirits. And they were all scared to death that if they didn't have a charm or an amulet, they were going to get attacked by evil spirits. And so I asked him, I said, well, tell me, were they trusting or believing in those charms and amulets to give them everlasting life? He said, well, no, no, it had nothing to do with everlasting life. It had to do with being saved from the evil spirits. The demons, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I said, could they believe in Jesus for the free gift of everlasting life, and yet at the same time be afraid of evil spirits? And his answer was yes. So the charms and amulets do not directly impact whether they believe or don't believe in Jesus as their Savior from eternal condemnation. And he's like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) It seems to me it's the same kind of thing. Because in South America, they have those same issues, you know, whether it's Santeria or voodoo or 
whatever it is. They're afraid of the witch doctors and they're afraid of the evil spirits. We can make that an evangelistic issue, right? Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Ken. And when you think about missions, think about supporting missions that are clear on the Word of God and the grace of God. Keep grace in focus. Thank you, gentlemen, for that interesting discussion. Would you like to deepen your understanding of Scripture and the Christian life? Well, a great place to start is our website. It's faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We've got all kinds of free materials on the site available for you. One of those which is extremely popular is our magazine, Grace in Focus. It comes out six times a year. It's full color, easy to read, and people are really growing who read it. So stop by and get a free subscription at faithalone.org. We would like to thank all of our financial partners who help us keep this show going. All gifts are tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can be a financial partner, visit us at faithalone.org. We are so happy when we hear from listeners. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And next time on Grace in Focus, if repentance is not necessary to receive eternal life, why is repentance found in some contexts that seem maybe to be evangelistic contexts, but are they really? It'll be a good discussion. Join us then. This is the Grace Evangelical Society reminding you to always keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.